It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's 4.05 on the dot. Now, rugby league in the NRL seems to be, there seems to be an impasse between the Rugby League Players Association and the NRL because they don't have an agreed collective bargain agreement. Well, the man that has to try and work through the corridors of power on behalf of the players is Clint Newton. He's the CEO of the Rugby League Players Association. He joins us right now. Thanks for joining us, buddy. I know it's a, a crazy time for you and it's pre-season. You'd love all the stuff to be out of the way. Can you just lay out what are the key areas that there is no agreement on? Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, Yeah, it's, it's obviously there's plenty going on at the moment. I think that one of the, the first things to call out up front is that um, players have absolutely tried to respect the negotiating process, um, but because of the latest proposal where it would see players going you know, backwards in a number of key areas that are associated with their collective terms of, uh, and conditions, they no longer feel comfortable doing promotional and commercial activities for the NRL. Now, some of those things may continue, but it's an important one to call out. Now, with regards to some of the major issues, we're really talking about the revenue share model means if the revenues go up, the player's share goes up too. That's the deal. The game's revenues is going up by just over 25%, and so that means player share should go up at that. Um, but it's not, because what's happening is it's an inflated position because there's many things that weren't in the previous agreement um, that were not inside our model that are now being dumped in that model. It's also important to call out that the overall number that is being promoted as going to players, the $1.3 billion, We've got to compare apples to apples there around the fact that what was guaranteed to players, about 600-odd players, was the $980 million in the previous term. Well, now we're probably looking at uh, you know, people inside the new term, 23 to 27, is almost 1,000. Right. So you're talking about big increases in players, so therefore that's that. The other key part outside of the financial element is really related to the agreement rights over players' core terms of employment. Again, uh, listen to what players are saying. Yes, players are saying that this isn't about just their pay. It's They want the details. They want a lot of attention paid to the details, which is around contract security and certainty for the women. Better injury hardship funds for players whose careers are ruined or significantly hampered by injury. Past player programs and support. You know, for those that have dug the well, they're actually trying to have money put aside for players in hardship that have that played 40 years ago. You know, um, medical support funds for players that that need to pay for surgeries as a result of playing because players are excluded from the workers' compensation legislation. Agreement rights over their core employment terms don't increase the number of matches in a season without players agreeing to it. Don't increase the, the amount of fines or sanctions without the players agreeing to it. They are core employment. Give the women agreement rights on their pregnancy policy, their parental policy. I, I reckon that 
really, they're the key areas that we're trying to resolve here. It's it, it, it it's it's staggering that you now correct me if I'm wrong. Has this been going on since late 21? Yes. So, so that's again, it, it, it's an important call out you've you've just raised there that this has been going since November 2021. So players haven't just responded in the last few days and taken this action um, illegitimately. Like This has been a gradual build over the last 14, nearly 15 months. You know, And so that's where the frustration has come from. Started in November, Christian Welsh has been you know, very public about it and showed plenty of courage yep. um, in representing the players' views in... It took several months to get, you know, accurate financials because you, you need the financials, you know, um, accurately put forward to you before you actually start negotiating. Because if you're, you're operating on numbers that are wrong, well, then you're, you're starting from a terrible position at the beginning. Then, obviously, we had our above forecast issues around the fact that we had to work through that process and secure that money for play. Um, and then obviously there's been several substandard proposals put forward, which we understand is all part of the process. You know, however, um, there's been a considerable wastage of time and we actually haven't really got into the nitty gritty of, you know, negotiating. And then we've got the women's who obviously are just trying to secure their first ever CBO. So really, um, this is a gradual build up as well as the dropping of their salary cap pre-Christmas, no other code. You know, to my knowledge, in recent history, has ever done that. So, so, um, so stop, that, stop, yeah. stop right there, because you make a really good point about, and that was the one that we're all going. Oh, great! Salary caps going up, players are going to get more. They must be happy. Where has the lack of transparency and communication fallen down between you, the RLPA, and the NRL Commission? Well, the the important part to mention here is, like, we are the players. You know, we are uh, an extension and reflection of them. Like we're run by players. We have a very strong governance model where we've got um, 50% of our players um, take up on the board. So, um, so we've got four male players and two female players, and then we've got six non-financial directors with incredible amount of corporate experience um, on there. So. I, we have a governance model, then, and then we've obviously got our leadership structure where we've got leaders across all, all players. What I'm saying is, is the fact that we can't make any decision, or well, certainly I can't, without working through a proper process with our board, with our player leaders, and then inside the negotiation, we effectively nearly bring a player to just about every meeting, you know, because it's their terms and conditions. They need to ensure that our player leaders are across it and then those players then communicate with the collective about where things went yeah. on that day. Now, what's happening with the players, and they certainly feel this, is that they go into the negotiations, they feel it's going a certain way, and then the, pro- the proposals don't reflect how they thought the meetings went. You know, and again, what we're, what we're seeing is that, you know, with the latest proposal, is that what triggered their response is that in many areas from... The CBA of 2018 to 2022, to the one that is being pulled forward now, 23 to 27, there's a lot of areas that are going backwards. And that's um, it's not a great demonstration of respect to the players. Are that's you, why they feel that way. Are you shaking your head on this one? Because this, to me, uh, stands out as quite 
ridiculous considering this is an organisation that was spruiking itself as uh, getting itself through COVID, surviving through COVID, then signing extended broadcast deals, touting another 25% of the salary cap. Yet the meat in the sandwich, which is always the players, the entertainers, are almost being, well, not snubbed is not the wrong word, but treated disrespectfully. Would that be fair or unfair to say? No, I think this is, it's a, I don't think it's unfair. Um, I mean, again, you're talking about the fact that um, that players, have, we've been holding players back, if I'm being honest, and I've consistently explained this to many of the stakeholders, um, that they've wanted their, their terms and conditions agreed long before now. We originally thought that they would be agreed pre-origin in 2022. Now, again, um, the, you know, the, the players are choosing to do this um, and to take a stand. And, and in my 20 years of being a player or administration, even longer, um, you know, I've never seen a, such a united playing group. In 120 years of the game, we've never seen such a mass display of player unity um, and willingness to stand firm on positions. So that must tell you something, you know, about what's, What's happening? They are educated, they are informed, and they're committed. And and look, everything they're going for is with absolutely noble intention. Uh, and so again, what what they won't stand for is they they will absolutely dispute the this whole rhetoric, which, as we know, you know, rhetoric is no substitute yeah. for reality. Yeah. Um, about being greedy, you know, they are trying to be responsible. If this was greed. Everything else outside of player salaries, they would just say, dump it all in salary. Don't worry about anything else because all the other areas the players pay for of their share, you're talking about retirement accounts, injury hardship funds, uh, RLPA payments, wellbeing education payments, all of those support services that go towards players, they are responsibly not just dumping everything into salary. So, um, so, yeah. so where are you now? Where, where does it stand at this particular junction in time with the NRL Commission and their Rugby League Players Association? Yeah, so obviously we want to, we'll continue to negotiate, um, certainly in good faith. Um, you know, we'll, you know, I'll meet with the NRL, we'll continue to work through it. Look, this can be resolved. Um, absolutely it can, and I'm optimistic about that. Um, I, I don't think there's really any other option that you, that you want to fill your head with. Um, but... Again, we'll we'll turn a few things around. We'll provide that to you know to the NRL, and then really we hope that we can reach a, an agreement in in the in the next few weeks. I think that the biggest the biggest group or the, the it, that's significantly impacted at the moment are, are the women, um, given the fact that they they don't have they don't even have a CBA um, because of the fact that they we've never been able to secure one. Um, in the women's space, we're the only major code that doesn't have a women's CBA, um, and we need one. Our game deserves one, and our players deserve one. Why? Because the mums and dads of the world, they want to know that when their daughter comes and plays rugby league, they're going to have protection, support, and high-performance environments where their child and their girl is yeah. going to perform their best. I don't think that's unreasonable. No, no, as well it's, as it's not. Right, right, rights to their terms and conditions. Um, so I am confident we'll get an agreement, 
and I hope we have it soon. Okay. Will you recommend, if there continues to be a, shall we say, a stalling nature or lack of transparency from the NRL, will you recommend, as head of the RLPA, that players don't play round one to make that stand? Well, I think that what you've got to do is that right now, players are fully focused on this current decision, which is they don't feel comfortable um, uh, fulfilling Hmm. NRL promotional and commercial activities. Um, because of what's going on at the moment. Um, from a player's perspective, um, all, all options are on the table. But at the end of the day, I think over the last 12 months, we've seen players not take action in origin, not take action in finals, not take action in World Cups, um, all key milestone events, which has a massive platform because they wanted to get a deal done. Now, maybe from a, the player's perspective, that was seen as a sign of weakness and maybe they weren't solid and maybe they didn't really care about all these things. But from from the, their position now is that we can't control how the NRL respond um, and how they want to go about um, you know, the next few weeks. All the players can do is do what they're doing now, continue to prepare um, for the season, which they're absolutely doing, yeah. um, because they love the game, they want to play for the fans and they don't want to impact that's why they haven't done anything until now. But it has got to a point where they don't feel listened to um, or respected. And it's about just listening, letting it wash over you. If you feel aggrieved about the way players are going about it, let it wash over you. And then let's try and sort this out in the coming weeks. Do you have a cordial relationship with Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandes? Look, I think like most associations globally, um, you, you're always going to butt heads on certain issues. I mean, that's what drives codes forward. You, you know, make no mistake, over the last, you know, you know, well, ever since players had representation, codes with strong players association have actually come forward in leaps and bounds. Why? Because when you've got someone that's going to be looking after the interests of the players whilst also taking the perspective of the whole of game then you're going to fight for things like your terms and conditions, agreement rights, increasing of pay and protection and support and these retirement accounts and injury hardship funds because what that does is you're creating a great environment for people to play and prepare and train their best to play their best. So then all the terms and conditions and all the environments, become it becomes a better workplace. So, um, so But you can also be a strong adversary and a, and a strong supporter. Completely. You can be both. No, you, you're, you're on the money. At a personal level, are you disappointed that you haven't been able to fix this up and get it sorted when it started all the way back in 21? Absolutely, I'm disappointed. Like, again, I love the game. Yeah. I've been a, been a, one of my earliest memories were going to watch Parramatta with my dad when Jack Gibson was coaching. <laughs> wow. you know, and then the moment the Knights came into the uh, the the competition in 1988, my dad flipped and went and um, started supporting the Knights. My best memories are, you know, going and watching my heroes at Marathon Stadium, going and watching State of Origin, watching Michael O'Connor kick that goal. I was right behind him in about Bay 16, you know, with my dad in the pouring rain, you know, my family. Like, I, we love the game. So does our team, like, that works here at the RLPA. So, yes, I am disappointed because... You want what's best for the game. But you can't compromise on things that are best for the people yep. that put on the show. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you, and it's all, it's all about those that are putting on the show. One final thought. Can you get it done before the season openers? Mate, I'm, an, I'm, away. I'm an optimist, right? <laughs> um, so so uh, if we bunker down and really rip into it, genuinely, yes. like really negotiate, because we actually haven't done a whole lot of that, if I'm being honest, um, as surprising as that may sound, um, then I believe we can certainly get it to a point which will um, reduce some of the issues that are going on at the moment. But the players are resolute. It's very difficult um, to then get the players to come off certain positions unless they're seen as genuine movement from the other side. So I, I live in hope. Fair play, mate. That's what rugby league's all about. Take the battle to them. Clint Newton, I appreciate your time, mate. Thanks so much. Not a problem. Clint Newton, the CEO of the uh, Rugby League Players Association. Wow. Wow, so so there you go. He's made it quite clear, made it quite clear. This is not a money grab. This is more about player welfare and conditions. And you will have noticed when he was talking, it was about uh, things like injury hardship, uh, support, particularly for the women's game who do not have a collective bargaining agreement. It's simple employment terms and conditions. It's been going since 2021. What do you think? Get on the Makita New Zealand phone line if you want to have a yarn about that one. Makita Rule the Outdoors, 0800 1508 11, 0800 1508 11. Or you can get on the Temper text machine. That's 8833, thanks to Temper and Bedpost like no other. What do you think will happen? Will the NRL start on time? And are they doing the right thing by holding out and saying, no, you've got to look after us because we are the show? That's what he said. The players of the show, and I've got to say, he is on the money. 4.27 on a Thursday afternoon. A little bit of psychedelic music. A little bit of psycho. What have you been, what have you been smoking, Jacob? Hey, how's, how's that going down? Hey, <laughs> hey, team ladder. What have you been smoking? Oh, yeah. well, let's just leave it at that. You're smiling. You've got glazed over the eyes. Uh, just a reminder of what's going on at the Australian Open. You know Jensen Brooksby, uh, the young American who made the semi-final at the ASB Classic? Well, he's taken the first set off the number two seed, Casper Rude, 6-3, and they're three all on the second. Uh, that's that's a big deal, right? They're playing at the moment, so I'll keep you up to date with that one. Diego Schwartzman has lost the first set to a youngster who also played at the Classic, JJ Wolf. He's the wild man. JJ Wolf, 6-1. It's 4-all in the second as well. Last night, though, the big news, Rafa gone in three straight. Injury, hip injury, but three straight to uh, Mackenzie McDonald of the USA. This is what he had to say in the press conference. Can't say that I am not destroyed mentally at this time because I will be lying. It's tough to, to make all the recovery game. Uh, it's not only the recovery, it's all the, the amount of work that you need to put together to to come back uh, at a decent level. So uh, I went through this process uh, too many times in my career and uh, I am ready to keep, to keep doing, I think, uh, but that's not uh, that's not easy without a doubt. Yeah, keyword he said there, I think. Notice he paused when he said, I think I'm ready to do it again. I think. We just have to wait and see. Coco Goff, though, winner of the ASB Classic, beats up Emma Raducanu.
goal. She tried something different, it worked. That's what it means for Coco Box. Congratulations, Coco. That was such a fun match from both of you. You both played excellent tennis, but you were able to come up with something clutch in those tight moments in the second set. What did you tell yourself? I just told myself to hang in there. Emma was playing really good tennis uh, towards the end of the match, and honestly, the whole match was uh, great. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I think we both started off rocky, but uh, I think the match was good quality for the most part, and considering the circumstances, I, I can imagine both of us was nervous. This was a long-anticipated matchup, basically, since the draw came out, uh, so I'm glad that it was a good match for you guys. Congratulations to Coco Golf. <laughs> Yep, that she goes through, and uh, she is one of the nicest young ladies you could ever meet, and a really grounded individual, thanks to her father, Corey, who we met at the ASB Classic just a week ago. It is half past four. This is SENZ's Run Home. Thanks to Makita, oh, excuse me, thanks to McDelivery. That's what we are, everyday people at 4.32 on SNZ's Run Home. Thanks to McDelivery, it's time to bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. The Popmeister, Brendan Popperwell is in. Hey, Pops, how are you, man? Big show. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Happy New Year, mate. Uh, Rafa out. What does that do to the tennis odds now as to who goes on to win? Does it fall all back onto Djokovic now? It does, yep. Uh, very short uh, to take it out now. Djokovic, uh, 167 uh, is the price now. So we're looking at... Medvedev won uh, 4.33 is probably one of our, our, our next best, biggest danger in terms of uh, liability. Djokovic was always a big liability anyway at 167, and there was a lot of money flowing in. But Medvedev 4.33. And then outside of that, look, there's only been little nibbles on some of your $40, $50 shots. You know, Zuriyev and those type of players at 40 to 1. But um, it's all at the pointy end. Djokovic and Medvedev at this stage for the means. What about in the women's singles draw? Because that that one seems it's it seems like uh, Schwantek go, is, is going to be the one to beat. But it seems that they that's the one draw that can anything could happen. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so I take two fifty, well played, best backed, and biggest liability. Coco Golf off the back of the ASB Classic, and then of course the the, the, the win over Raducanu is. The one that's the, the next biggest, nine fifty, uh, is currently her price. Uh, she was around sort of, at, I think it was fourteen, wow. fifteen, maybe somewhere around that mark, or even a bit higher. So uh, that that's the one that punters are gravitating towards as the value player at this stage in the ladies part of the of the of the Australian Open. But yeah, lots to unfold, and a, a lot of punters love to bet on these first and second rounds of the of the of the Open because there's a, look, there's 100 games on. There's a lot of chance to take multis. Punters love to take 15-leg multis, chuck your <laughs> $1.11 shots in, your $1.02, the odd roughies are here, and you've got yourself some, some afternoon pleasure and into the evening as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like about the early stages of a tennis tournament. Anything else you want to, you want to shove down my throat today? <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got uh, <laughs> we've got Kokonakis uh, here for you, Stephen. Actually, oh, uh, Kokonakis against well, uh, Sarandi. Yes, and that's a, a player that's getting very very well backed. Uh, Kokonakis to win, and also a lot of punters are looking at the the match to maybe go a, a little bit of distance here as well. So punters are, are believing that it could go beyond the three sets, but overall Kokonakis <sighs> is well played. 
Wow. Price is kind of funny to play, 156. What do you think? I mean, Murray at 35, and it was a a cracking good win. He took out the 13 seed in Berrettini, but Kokonakis is going to be a different story altogether, isn't he? Even though he's not seeded. No. I I, I think the 156 is a pretty nice play, to be honest with you, around him. And I'd be looking at playing that. And and even, as I said, sets betting, there's a chance there, if you like a little bit of value, Kokonakis to win 3-1 is at $4.00. Uh, even if you, if you think it's going to go all the way, three, two, five dollars uh, might be a play. So um, yeah, I'd be looking around those options. To be all, right. With you. all right, pops, how are the kids? Good. Uh, good, yes, yes. Um, when does school start? I'm just trying to find. I don't know. Mine are all grown up and have left home, so that's your that's yeah, your problem yeah. now. Must be soon. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it normally just after Waitangi Day? Yes, it is. Yep, yep. So we'll, uh, oh, we'll get go. to that stretch. Um, but yeah, no, it's good, all good fun. All good fun around. Aren't you time, glad yeah. I'm around to help you out, Pops? Thanks, mate. I appreciate the time as always, mate. Cheers, Stephen. Thanks, man. <laughs> See ya. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at the tab.co.nz. And please gamble responsibly. R18 at 4.37 on this Thursday, the 19th day of January, where the Prime Minister pulled the pin. She will no longer be the Prime Minister from February 7th. Uh, we will talk to Ben Strang about that after five this evening. on SNZ's Run Home with Stephen McIver. Thanks to our good friends at Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. I think we are going to see another upset at the Australian Open. It's a second round match between Jensen Brooksby, a second semi-finalist at the ASB Classic. We saw the number one seed go out last night, right? That was... Rafa Nadal to Mackenzie McDonald, a young American. Well, another young American is doing the job right now on the number two seed, Casper Ruud. Casper Ruud is down two sets. Brooksby's won the second set, 7-5. So 6-3, 7-5 at the moment. Is the number two seed going to fall out as well and open this all up? We spoke to Pops from the TAB before, and he thinks it's all now swings towards Djokovic. But, boy, are we seeing something happen with all these young Americans about the place. By the way, Cam Norrie, who got beaten in the final, he is through to the third round. Let me just double-check. Yeah, 6-3-3-6-7-6-6-3 against a Frenchman who is also here, Constant Lestien. So it's all going on. Michael Venus... Uh, we'll play his, his doubles match at around 4.55. It should be just underway, actually. So I'll keep you up to date with what he's doing with his new partner in the form of Jamie Murray. Now, pacing for purpose, each week we place a $50 bet on behalf of November with Harness Racing New Zealand. Uh, and so Thursday, that's today, right? Yeah, it is Thursday all day. Cambridge, do you know I used to, I actually won a celebrity race there, lads? Years wow, ago. did you? I, yeah, I, I, my horse was number 10. It was called Lagavulin, and it was trained by the Mitchell Stable, well-known uh, harness racing people in Cambridge at the time. And I actually went out, and it wasn't like sitting beside the, the driver and actually doing it. It was me alone in the sulky. It was an amazing experience. To learn how to control a pacer, uh, you know, what are you, what are you you're mumbling at me? No, you, Jacob was just asking who was the celebrity involved. 
<laughs> Anywho, just wanted to say because it was Cambridge and I spent a little bit of time out there when I was working on a radio station there that um, I won. And I, if you saw the video footage of it, because it was videotape footage, thanks, Jay Shib, you dork, um, then uh, I was I, I probably not allowed to be, be back on horse because I was had the whip and I was whipping the crap out of it. You can't say that this day and age. Oh, well, I did, well, I did. And we're wealthier people will have you. Well, it's, it's like them. 20 years ago, okay? So I'm sure there was things. But I was. I was, crap, poor thing. Lovely horse. Never won again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no thanks to you, I suppose. <laughs> Never won again. Lagavulin, great name though. Race nine, number four, Chimichurri. Uh, first stand start, looks very capable, uh, who should have won in recent starts. Uh, go again with confidence. So that's for us, okay? Uh, on behalf of November, that's where our $50 bet goes today and our pacing for purpose. Race nine, Cambridge tonight, number four, Chimichurri. And just while we're, you know, bragging, and, and we should brag as well, uh, I can tell you that the run home is just cleaning up the rest of the radio station when it comes to... Uh, Looking after our charities, uh, dr- uh, this run home a thousand and forty-seven dollars. Thank you very much. Afternoons two hundred and ten. Mornings now, Smithy. Okay, six hundred and seven fifty. And uh, Brecky, that's his in Kempe, a mere six hundred and ten dollars. So uh, just reminding you, that, don't uh, shortchange us either, McIver. That's uh, Izzy Kempe and Louie, who uh, fancies himself a bit of a horse racing expert, doesn't he? Okay, it? let's leave that one alone. Mm. Uh, don't forget, so, so drive, killing it. Uh, don't forget to join us each week as we tr- each week as we try to raise funds for four New Zealand charities. Ours is Movember. All thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand. Coming your way after five, the man we like to call Joey Wheels, Joey Wheeler, and his uh, attempt to greatness in the Black Clash tomorrow night at Hagley Oval. Four. This is the run home thanks to McDelivery with Stephen McIver. Last day on the job today. Had a, having a whole lot of fun with the lads too. Team leader Jacob and Manaya looking a bit scruffier today. Boy, you should have seen him yesterday, man. He was like on fire. He was so swaggy. He had the, the fade looking fine. It had, it had product in it. And he was just, he was pumping, shaved his beard off. Looks a little scruffy today, but that's okay. You're allowed to have that first day back at school look. It's all cool. I thought uh, I was looking pretty good today when I came in, but this uh, is just... Well, uh, mate, well, it just didn't, didn't, didn't set me off. I didn't go, wow, you're still looking good, man. You're still looking good. Give us a text, double eight, double three. Do I sound like I look good? <laughs> do, I, do I sound like... Like I look good, you know that. That's always a good one. Because I look like I sound good. Don't let us know. Oh no, you sound good. Don't worry about that. You sound good. Uh, let's just uh, keep you in check with what's happening at the Australian Open. The second round matches that we have. Actually, we'll do that in just a moment. Better do my Macca's menu. Coming in just a moment, Joe Wheeler. Uh, he has pedigree. He has pedigree when it comes to cricket. And he's a late call-up with former Black Cap Andrew Ellis to the Black Clash tomorrow night between rugby and cricket at Hagley Oval on, uh, I think that's on uh, TVNZ. That's right, it's always on TVNZ, isn't it? Uh, and there's two all between the... 
two, two, two or between the two. And then a little way before six o'clock, we're going to talk politics. Yeah, Ben Stranger, SNZ cricket commentator, is also a political reporter with Radio New Zealand News, and he's going to give us his thoughts on the Prime Minister pulling the pin before the election and what he thinks uh, were the reasons behind it. And if you've got some thoughts, you can always feel free to call us on the Makita New Zealand phone line, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. And that's our Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. So it's amazing when you, you sort of know someone, but you don't know someone, right? So I did not know that Joe Wheeler served as a Central District's under-19 vice-captain, spent time with the New Zealand under-19 side, attending training camps. I'm sure, Wheels, you would have loved attending the training camps, but did you do actually do anything in them? <laughs> you know, Steve, Hello, happy mate. New Year, mate. Happy Good New Year, buddy. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, I used to moonlight as a cricketer and a rugby player, believe it or not, but... Um, yeah, cricket played a big part in the in the Wheeler family growing up. Obviously, my um, younger, far more talented um, younger brother, brother obviously went to the uh, to the top of the to the pinnacle in New Zealand, played for the Black Caps. I never quite reached those heights, but yeah, was um, yeah played a lot of age group cricket. And, and funnily enough, another one of uh, our former Sky colleagues, Israel Dag, him and I played a lot of age group age grade cricket together for Central Districts. So ah. we played uh, Central Districts. 17, uh, under 15s together, under 17s. And then he uh, obviously was far more talented than what I was on the rugby field. Uh, he, he finished after um, 17s and went um, into footy. And then I carried on for another couple of years and then gave up uh, in my second year of um, of 19s cricket mm-hmm. and focused on rugby um, to try to put on some weight because I really struggled with uh, keeping weight on in the, in the summer, bowling 15 overs into the wind. Wow! Um, never was never help never helpful uh, as a cricketer. So, yeah, made the made the transition um, to just focus solely on rugby. But always loved um, cricket growing up. That was the summer staple in the Wheeler household. Not, so what? So okay, what do you bowl? Well, what do I bowl now is totally different to what I used to bowl, uh, Stephen. What so don't can you bowl now? Bowl, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had my first. I had my first net uh, last night uh, for the first time in about 14 years, I, I think I worked out. And amazingly, the body held up okay. The last time I did try to bowl before that, I would jump to get into my action and I'd land and my back would just give way. And, you know, <laughs> the, the battering of, of running into rucks and, and trying to maul and tackle uh, had obviously made it a bit worse for But, like, yeah, like, got through my action. I would, I'm not going to say that I... Ran in as hard as what I used to as a seventeen-year-old, but um, yeah, we'll give it a crack if I get oh. if I get the opportunity tomorrow tomorrow night. Um, we'll give it a crack. We'll just see what Skipper Kieran Reid thinks um, during the net session tomorrow morning, whether I get the nod or not to get the ball. Oh, so what? So you're a quick as a youngie. What now? You're a medium pace to slow. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that'll be generous. Yeah, put it that way. Yeah, we'll just see what comes out. We'll see how the rhythm is. The the the, the plane ride on the way up there might might affect the uh, <laughs> the lower back as well, Stephen. So who knows? I'll, I'll be taking as many uh, as many um, Voltar and seventy five milligrams as possible oh, to try to get me through tomorrow night. Oh yeah. my gosh, you're going to go the big ones. What what what? what <laughs> where, where do you bat? Uh, well, I used to be a middle order batsman, um, so. Uh, I don't know. Well, again, uh, that'll all be judged on um, the net session tomorrow. There's a, we've got a pretty handy side. Like I was looking at some of the names, so you know, I'm not 
put it this way: if I'm not batting in the top top six, Stephen, I'll be I'll be making some complaints to, oh. to Graham Henry. Oh mate, you so you're all you, so you're already talking it up, already no, talking but, it up, eh? No, no chance, Stephen. No, for me, as I've always done throughout my career, whatever it is. Team comes first. Whatever the team need me to do, that's what I'll do. Oh, listen to you. The the idea of just having a bit of fun and doing this is. Does it excite you? Oh, mate. When, when uh, they rang me up the other day, I was like, "Well, I haven't played cricket in fourteen years or something in terms of playing a um, you know a club match." Um, then you think the opportunity to play against some of the greatest cricketers New Zealand has produced. You know, the opportunity to potentially face Daniel Vittori and Kyle Mills, Chris Martin. You go for a cricket um, nut like myself. It was just too good an opportunity to turn down, and you see the fun that those guys have had over the <clears throat> last few years. And um, for someone who loves the game and um, and to do it cricket versus rugby, it's um, a pretty pretty awesome opportunity. And it and it does. It just looks like a hell of a lot of fun. Um, the crowds love it. Um, it's a real entertainment package and um yeah it's gonna be a cool cool um spectacle how good a nick are you in like have you, have you checked out the uh you know uniform size are you are you gonna are you, are you gonna look good um <laughs> uh, well you know it's probably slightly different to my playing weight and it's been a good summer put it that way uh, oh up, uh, up in the tasman tasman region you know um <laughs> yeah a few too many vinos a few too many um states uh, yeah, so look, I, I can't imagine there'll be too many quick singles or looking to run too many threes because they are big boundaries at Hickley. So yeah, it'll be it'll be looking to clear the boundary rather than run rather than run for your run. Is uh, is Kieran is Kieran's captain right? And is is Richie is Richie playing this year? Yes, he is. Yeah, they post oh, that. Mate. Yeah, that's controversial, isn't it? You know, the greatest All Black captain of all time um, has been surpassed by his, his predecessor. So. Yeah, Rito's got the captain's armband for the for the Black oh. Clash and a handy cricketer himself as a as a youngster. No, in Northern was, District. The, the path I was going down was, mate, they are in good nick. Like they are. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I mean, you look you look at Richie McCaw, right? He's he's missed a long distance athlete. Is he? You're gonna just. I. You know what? Your best bet is just keep talking. Just keep yeah, talking, yeah. eh? Yeah. Liposuction. Hey, yeah, tummy tuck. Uh, what, <laughs> Oh come on, it's not that bad. Hey, while I've got you on, and, and I'm I'm excited to watch you in the Black Clash tomorrow night. So uh, don't disappoint, mate. Go out there and, and give it a good lash. Uh, what did you What did you make of Dave Rennie losing his job? Since we've got you on, oh, I'm, I was a massive um, Dave Rennie fan. I think when he was here in New Zealand at the Chiefs, he transformed that side. Um, obviously, two titles under his uh, under his reign, and um, what he did in terms of setting up that Chiefs mana culture. Um, it's withstood the test of time since he's left. It's still a huge part of what they do. Um, he's got the players that have played under him. I've got nothing but um, great things to say about, about Dave Rennie. And I, I think, I just feel the way it was handled, he's a guy. Mm. I, I look at what he said in terms of his press conference. Um, there were no excuses, there was no finger pointing. He just wished them the best. And he's just all class to the very end. But yeah, his employer didn't show any respect or any class about how they how they dealt with um, getting rid of him, and I think that that's uh, the test of the man. I don't think it's the end of Dave Rennie by any stretch of the imagination. And I think in terms of his time as Wallabies coach, he didn't have a the greatest of luck in terms of injuries and um, the depth that they've got in Australian rugby is probably the biggest issue. Yeah. Like, they just don't have the kettle like. 
you look at uh, uh, New Zealand teams and across Super Rugby sides, the depth in, in terms of those Super Rugby sides and what they can produce um, would would not um, embarrass a black jersey, any player in New Zealand rugby. But you look at some of the guys that end up getting opportunities for the Wallabies, you're like, gee, they would struggle to make a, a match day 23 in New Zealand, um, some of them. So uh, he, he hasn't been blessed with some of the depth that previous coaches have had um, and the talent that previous coaches have had while they've been coaches of the Wallabies. And I, I think he was creating something that was um, pretty special and, and all his teams that he's coached in the past are, are bloody hard-working. They, um, they sort of, they're a no-nonsense team and I think we're seeing the Wallabies start to get some results with that, um, especially culturally. They weren't having the issues that they once were. Um, but yeah, you yeah, yeah, got a feel for the guy because he's a, yeah. a champion bloke, but um, like everyone says, sometimes champion blokes come second, which is which yeah. is a shame. But yeah, we'll see how Eddie Jones goes because he seems to burn through people and staff like no tomorrow. Apparently, he went through about 150 staff at, um, at his time at, uh, in England. So yeah, he's he's pretty hard on hard on people. That's for sure. Would you be worried coming into the Blitters like up season about the Eddie Eddie and the Wallabies or not? <laughs> Yeah, you're always worried with an Eddie Jones coach side. He's um, got a, an amazing knack of uh, getting the best out of any side he coaches against the against the All Blacks, and uh, he, he's an he's an absolute competitor. And yeah, he's going to shake things up. He's going to um, do things a little bit differently. And I think Eddie Jones probably like um, Ricky Stewart. They sort of get these amazing results for the first few couple yeah, of years, yeah. and that seems to sort of peter off a little bit. But um, I think Eddie's sort of tempered that a little bit. We saw England were, were pretty consistent. Uh, apart from the last sort of year, 12 months, um, England sort of started to fall off the ball a little bit. But, mate, oh, yeah, you always, I always get a little bit nervy when um, it's a new Jones coach side because you know he always come up with something special and he always do something different because he knows that the, the All Blacks, uh, when you throw something different at them, um, that's when they struggle to to combat that. So, yeah, he'll have something up his sleeve for sure. All right, mate. Yeah, you can sit down and have a wee breath now. You've been talking and walking. You're puffing, you're puffing like an old gorilla, okay? Yeah, well, imagine what it's going to be like when I go to, try to run too quick, to, uh, go to return for two uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> Quick, good, good. Give us a, just give us a break. Put all the drinks back now, please. Change your gloves. <laughs> hey, don't know. Call, call the timeout. Just say, can we time out here? Can we time out? Hey, Wills, thanks for your time, mate. Good luck and have some fun tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm going to need it. Thanks so much. <laughs> See you, man. Joe Wheeler, part of the Black Clash tomorrow night, Team Rugby against Team Cricket. It's 2-all. This is the fifth edition of the uh, Black Clash 2-all. Man, he was puffing, wasn't he? He was puffing. Okay, I'll take Worrying it Worrying signs for... Well, it was a little bit, actually. Yeah. I mean, what, I need Voltaren from a back, from a run-up, and <laughs> Miland, and I'm going to need a massage. Oh, he's a good man, though. But interesting what he said, though. Did you notice the last thing he said about uh, the All Blacks? When you throw no. something different at them, they struggle. Mm. You missed that, didn't you? I did. Yeah. When you throw something different at the All Blacks, they struggle. Quote of the day, maybe. 517. We'll go around the grounds in just a tick. We used to sing. Just like that.
5.22, this is SENZ's Run Home with Stephen McIver. Thanks to McDelivery, team leader Jacob and Manai. Let's go around the grounds. We've talked about the gla- black clash at Hagley Oval, lads. I just was looking on their Facebook page. Do you know who one of the ump- on-field umpires is? We know it's, you know, the marvellous Billy B- Bowden. Chris Harris. Chris oh. Harris. Chris Harris is the other on-field umpire. Of formerly held the record for Black Caps' highest scorer in India. Oh, I, oh, did you want me to find that number again? Or, no, it's on the rundown, isn't it? 127 what? in 1996. Okay, is that what the one you told me about? Yeah, that's Photographic great. memory from so, are you, are one of you? Are you guys into this Black Clash thing? Yeah, that's great. And one of my favourite things about it is the people that are the purists who stumble across it every year, and then they get on the Facebook page and go, this isn't real cricket. Of course it's not real cricket. It's yeah. just an entertainment product. It's exactly it's, what it is. It, it had m- enormous ratings last year. Yeah, of course it did, because it's great. What if uh, Daniel Vittori bowled at Kieran Reid? You know, that's the kind of stuff we sit around and talk about at the pub. How would they go? And we actually have a chance to get out there and watch it. I think Reid Reed whacked something like 88 or 50, 54 balls last time out in total. He is and- tremendous. <laughs> I almost felt a bit of man love coming through that that line. Mm, he him is and Josh Emmett, tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> Not Richie <laughs> and Richie. I like Richie. I've only, you know what? I've only actually ever chatted to Richie McCaw once when he was out of the game, and he is one of the nicest blokes you could ever meet. I was introduced to Richie McCaw as Rick by someone who I had my back to. They said, "Oh, hey, Manai, this is Rick, by the way." And I turned around and said, "Oh, get a Rick." And then I locked eyes with him. I was like, "That's Richie McCaw." Yeah, what, what was his reaction when you called him Rick? He was like, "Oh, Manai, such a fan. Um, can we get a photo?" And so, oh, yeah, yeah. we've just been. <laughs> How many times have you been told that one? Um, that's the first time. Um, <laughs> I usually just keep that one between me and Rick. <laughs> he, you know, he's generally the nicest bloke, and that's you know. And we came back to that discussion. I think we had on the first day of the week about you know turning turning down the knighthood. I think that was sort of bloke uh, he is. He just doesn't like attention. Just likes to fly his helicopters, run around, run around in the wilderness, and look after his his wife and his babies. He's He's a, you know the crazy thing with his wife. I can't remember her name. What's her wife's Gemma. name? Gemma. Gemma, who's lovely and probably one of the smartest women I've ever come across. Got the chance to work with her in tennis a few years back. Wow. She's incredibly intelligent. She, I, I felt dumb. Like, I felt really dumb next to her. Do you feel dumb working with Manaya and I? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. What, one of the other things, though, about the... She's, the she's, hang on, I didn't finish my story. Sorry. She's got him on Instagram. The last person you would thought would want to bring attention to him, Gemma has Richie on Instagram now. And Give him a follow. Nah. I will actually follow... Yeah, okay, fine, move on. Okay, you were going to say my name? I was going to say... Um, Gemma, yeah. They've got uh, Nick Cummins of Honey Badger fame. Oh, yeah. Um, he's playing this year, and I love the celebrity ring-in because remember when they had uh, Andy from Hamish and Andy? Yeah. Uh, and he ended up taking the game-winning catch off the that's last right. ball. Um, that's what I mean. This thing is just... Like, that almost seems scripted, but you couldn't script something like that. It's just such... The novelty of this event... It's tremendous. Who is the celebrity ringer this year? Uh, Nick Cummins. Oh, oh sorry. He, my apologies. He is the celebrity ringer. He is the celebrity. Not ringer. bad. Not not handy footy player. Uh, to uh, this weekend, round two of the what the boys don't really care about, but I do. <laughs> it's the Super Sprint uh, Motorsport New Zealand Championship at Teratonga and Invercargill. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Round two of the uh, Toyota eighty sixes. Also, the, what they call CT Frock Formula Regional Oceania Championship. The CT stands for. Castrol Toyota and Hayden Padden and Emma 
uh, gosh, Emma Gilmore are going to race in an all-comers race as well. And there's going to be a slalom challenge somewhere along the way. Apparently there's Chloe Chambers, this young woman who has uh, driven in the W Series, which is, has been a, a support series to F1, uh, is a world Guinness record holder at something. I'm sure I'll find out when I hit the uh, cargo. Something to do with driving, maybe? Oh, maybe, Driving yeah. fast. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Okay. Thanks very much. Hey, guess what? You know, we talk about upsets and young men. Yeah, I know. JJ Wolf, who was here at the ASB Classic, has upset the 23rd seed, Diego Schwartzman. 6 1, 6 4, 6 4. Brooksby leads the number two seed, Casper Rude. 6 3, 7, 5, 3, 2. So just a little uh, note again that I will, I will push all afternoon or evening, early evening. These young Americans, and uh, I'm sure American tennis would love this to happen. Black Caps India. Uh, nine o'clock sat in, in Raipur. What do we what do we think? It's a must win for the Black Caps. Um, as we were talking about, I think was it yesterday we were talking about the the ramifications, the ramifications for this game. That's a big word for you because the ODI World Cup is later on this year. It's very hard to keep up with what Cricket World Cup we're up to because there's one every three weeks. Um, <laughs> this year's one is the ODI World Cup. So. This is very telling for for us for how we're going to go against uh, India in India because is who, it because whoever is going to win the ODI World Cup has to beat India in India. If we can't do this now, we have then about six or seven months that we have to sit on the knowledge that we can't beat them in India. So this has massive ramifications for. Uh, our World Cup preparations. Yeah. It was interesting to listen to Hamish Schmidt about how also. He said uh, the Indians learning to bowl second. Did you hear that or did you miss it? He said it was important that the Indians learn to bowl second on their own wickets. Mm. Didn't we? Yeah, that, they that, tend that. to set a score and um, defend it yeah. typically. So, yeah, um, I'm not surprised by that. Also, um, we lost the first ODI to Pakistan, won the second, won the third. So that might happen again in India. So oh, yeah. I have my hopes. Oh, no, that's See good. No, that's a very positive attitude to take, uh, team leader. Uh, the other big thing, of course, happening this weekend, it's actually on TV3 this time around, 7am uh, on Sunday morning, is Joseph Parker up against uh, former cruiserweight Jack Massey. It's uh, in Manchester. Massey's a, a local favourite. Parker doesn't live too far away. I think he's in Morecambe upon Tyne, or it's Morecambe anyway. I just thought I'd throw the upon Tyne because it sounded good. It's actually in Newcastle on Tyne, the Tyne, the Tyne, Tyne River. Tyne where? Yep. Uh, yeah. River? Tyne River. Boy, yep. I tell you what. I tell you the the what's what river is that Liverpool on? What is that Liverpool run? Is that it's it's I got it all. Mersey, so, yeah, Mersey, Mersey. Yeah, I think. Yeah. boy, that's an ugly looking river, man. It is scary. <laughs> like you look, no, big, wide, and scary. You know how you look at them and go, "Oh, that's a nice river." That's an ugly river. That's a scary river. Not like the Waikato River. Not like the mighty Waikato River that flows beautifully through the heartland of New Zealand and you can ski on and you can swim in and, well, hopefully you can swim in it. Uh, anyway, so Joseph Parker, uh, 7 a.m. TV3. So that's a pretty good weekend of sport to look forward to. Um, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, coming up shortly, Ben Strang, SENZ cricket commentator and political reporter. The Prime Minister will no longer be the Prime Minister by Feb 7. We'll get his thoughts on that one. Maybe even ask him a little bit about what happened last night in uh, Hyderabad with the Black Caps. Ian 
SENZ on the run home. Had a little bit of California dreaming of the mamas and the papas. Boy, you have just dug into the archives today, team letter. I am liking it. But now something completely different for both you and also Manaya. It's time for some political chat. Yes, it's the lads' political chat because I'm intrigued to get your opinion on the Prime Minister standing down before the election. The last time she will be allowed to be called Prime Minister will be February the 7th. So I'm going to go to Manaya first. Great option. Great option. So, you know, you, you are younger men than I am, and we we have lived in a time of this, this particular government where there has been a whole lot of upheaval. You know, we've had... Uh, We've had terrorists, we've had uh, volcanoes, we've had a pandemic. So what was your initial reaction, Manaya? Uh, what, what, to finding out that she was going to step down? The Prime uh, Minister, yeah, and, and what do you think? I thought, well, National are going to be pretty gutted that they've spent all this money on an advertising campaign around, are you sick of Jacinda? Because <laughs> that's all out the window now. Yep. Um, Makes sense. I mean, I can't imagine. I reckon she had a bit of a break, kicked her heels up and sort of looked around and went, can I be bothered doing that again another three years? Yeah. Probably probably not. And I don't really want the security service around when I'm kicking my heels up. Yeah. that's Actually, that's probably what it was. Um, but, you know, to be honest, for me, second favourite Labour Prime Minister. Um, I think she's done a great job. Who was your first? And, uh, Norman Kirk. Um, okay. Wow, he did a few fired off pretty quickly there. Yeah, Norman Kirk. Um, he, you know, was one of the one of the great. Died in office, I believe, as well, um, which is pretty hearty. They don't they don't make him like that anymore. Um, and I've, and also from my hometown, and uh, after whom we named our public pool, the Norman Kirk Memorial Swimming Pool, which led to many rumours of his death in a swimming pool. Not true. Um, we just had to name the pool after someone. Okay, okay. So he would be my first, so, and then Jacinda would be my second. But okay. yeah. So, so, so when you, I saw an interesting line, which and it made a lot of sense for me too. Uh, she has been a prime minister for the time. Mm. What do you think? Um, I, I mean, I do think that quite often one of the biggest criticisms of her is that she gets pumped up so much by particularly overseas media. You know, you see her on the talk yeah. shows over there in the States and then people think, oh, you know, yeah. it's just it's all about It's all about her sort of thing. It's yeah. kind of, it's it's almost tall poppy syndrome, but it's also like as Kiwis we, we kind of don't like when one of our own is getting celebrated by other people and we look for things yeah. to, to nitpick about. But I think the way that she's handled things has been um, absolutely excellent and it, it doesn't... Um, whatever you make of her policies, but her standing down doesn't change too much because I don't think... Um, you don't think they've got a chance, huh? No, well, I don't think she would have wanted to go around again. You know, it's not like... Yeah, fair play. No, fair play. All right, well, we better come into a young team leader, Jacob, I know has a... Far-left agenda? Wow, I, I wasn't going to Wow. I, I wasn't going <laughs> to... Just, sitting, I, just I, sitting the standard. Yeah, I was going to say a damn thing, but yeah, well, so you, I know you're pretty hot <laughs> on this not, one. Well, well, I am sort of fresh out of university, so oh, I mean... says everything. Lots of people that I met at university are very greeny. Communist. Left. <laughs> Manaya, you've had your time. Manaya, you've had your Sorry, time. I would, I would say I'm more mi- middle. Like, yeah. I mean, I could see the benefits of having a Labour government and a, or a national government. I've... Yeah, you know, I've, I've got no real preference to be fair. So, so, on a scale of one to ten, how do you think the soon-to-be former prime minister has behaved and acted as a leader? Yeah, as a for leader? sure, she's definitely been the leader that the country has needed for the past um, for the time, six, right? Six years, five years. She's r- rose to the occasion on multiple, multiple times. So, I'm not sure there's many people out there that were, were more suited to what it what has happened 
over the past five yeah, or six but years. I, but I think, too, that the key to all of this is when this next election comes around October the 14th, uh, they, won't, they won't be voting on the individual. They'll be simply voting on an economy, which has seen food prices rise something like 32% in the last... Yeah. The and eggs go out of oh, you, the supermarket really, yeah, and chicken. Yeah. I was shocked when but, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, but it's, but it's simple things, man. It's, it's, it's yeah, sim- exactly, it's the basics. I think the one quality that was effective for the Prime Minister, empathy. That mm. I, I don't think we have seen before in other prime ministers. Yeah, exactly. I think we leave it at that one. Five thirty-six. It's the run home with Kirsten Beeve. Five forty-two. The boss is coming to New Zealand again in twenty twenty-three. This is the run home here on SENZ. Thanks to Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. Arguably, no, not not even arguably. The biggest news today is that the prime minister has called time on her career, her political career. She will stand down as the prime minister on February the seventh. Uh, she will continue in Mount Albert until April to avoid the need for a by-election. So we thought we'd talk politics, and why not? The E is also an SENZ is entertainment, and it's a different way of looking at things because it affects you and I, uh, and it is a big news day as far as that is concerned. Well, one of our uh, cricket commentators happens also to be the political reporter for Radio New Zealand, and Ben Strang joins us right now. Hey, Ben, how are you, mate? Yes, not 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 too bad. It's um, it's been a big day. It's, 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 there's a lot on. <laughs> did Did you see that announcement coming at all? Yes and no, because uh, Jacinda Ardern's been asked a lot of questions over the past, I don't know, six months or so uh, about whether she had the desire to continue, and as of late last year, you know, middle of December last year, last sort of round of interviews she was doing, she said that she did still have the energy and desire to to, to keep doing the job and was eager to lead Labour for another three years, lead a government for another three years. So um, she, she'd given all the signs that she was wanting to keep going, but obviously over the Christmas period, when I think, you know, you're spending a bit of time uh, with the family, a bit of time at home, out of the spotlight, a little bit less to do, she's decided actually... Uh, I don't have the energy for that anymore. And as she said today, you know, she's going to get to see her child go to school, first day at school, and uh, go and actually get married. So she's decided to to, to change her priorities, which is uh, probably fair enough. And do, you, and do you simply think that time with family and just, let's be honest, being normal uh, was the tipping point? I think it's one of them. I think there's no denying that the, the opportunity to to spend more time with family has to be massive because she spends a lot of time away from her child, from her, from her husband. So that's a massive thing. I do also think that it's been a pretty relentless few years, um, particularly during the pandemic. I think I'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, 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 a politician in New Zealand who has received more abuse than Jacinda Ardern has. It's been um, pretty punishing, some of the stuff she goes through. So I think that will weigh into it um, a little bit. But, yeah, just... Pretty relentless job, not something I'd want to be doing. Yeah, but also the fact that they were, they were down in the polls. Do you think it was probably, you know, and this probably will sound will sound cynical, but the fact that they, you know, they swept the Labour swept through in the last election, uh, the one two in a row ratings were all over the, were fantastic. 
she would like her legacy to be that she chose her own way to go out rather than the public deciding it in, in the potential of losing this next election? Uh, cynical is probably the word, but I mean, it is it is entirely possible. Um, you're you're right there. I mean, John Key basically did it in the last national government uh, the, the year before the election, knowing that, you know, governments usually only get about three terms if that. And uh, the signs are very much pointing towards national winning this next election. So um, there's no doubt that, uh, that the timing is, is good to, to avoid a loss, but... <sighs> You, you would think that uh, just the way she's spoken over the years that, that you know, having a winning legacy isn't necessarily what she's most worried about. Uh, but, yeah, it could, it could have played a part. All right. We have to move forward now. So if you were national, and I haven't seen anything in the, in the news yet about their, their response to this, and you might be able to help me on this one. Uh, have you seen a response? And how should they respond going forward? Uh, national, you're saying? Yeah. Um, national, I mean, the, the the early sort of words we've heard from the National Party leader are talking about his respect for the Prime Minister, um, talking about, <coughs> sorry, talking about um, her leadership during the, the Christchurch terror attacks, uh, early days of the pandemic, that sort of thing. There, there have been words about um, the inability of the government at times to achieve what they want to achieve and that sort of thing, but they've been pretty gracious at this point. I think for Which is the, right the National thing to do, Party, right? absolutely, absolutely. But I think this will, um, they'll be pretty happy about this. I think if Labour were to have a chance of winning, it's behind Jacinda Ardern, who's, who has been one of the most popular Prime Ministers New Zealand's had. Um, I, I don't see, you, you know, the question is who's going to replace her and uh, are they going to have the ability to to get the public behind them. That's the big question now, and I think National will be feeling pretty buoyant that they got this. Who are the front runners? Uh, the, the, Grant Robertson, the Deputy Prime Minister, has basically ruled himself out today. We'll see if that sticks. Uh, you know, politicians are known for changing their minds. Um, Chris Hipkins is the first name that really comes to mind. He's done a good job as the COVID response minister. Uh, he's, he's kind of Mr. Fix-It for Labour, so if there's a, a portfolio that's in need of a bit of uh, a bit of help, then then he turns up. Uh, the other sort of up and comers are Michael Wood, who's the transport minister. He's a very good talker, a very competent minister, and Kitty Allen uh, as well, the um, the justice minister. She's sort of risen up the ranks and, and would be a, a Maori woman to to take the reins. She she would be an interesting shout. Well, do you think that's a, a genuine option? Kitty Allen is a genuine option. I think I I think it depends what. The caucus are thinking because if they go with someone same old same old, which is probably someone like Chris Hipkins, they got to ask themselves, are we going to win, uh, or or are people going to just see this as continuity? Whereas if they do go with somebody a bit fresh like Kitty Allen, is that going to entice people and convince people that uh, we can change things up, we can be a bit different, and maybe you can swing people back to Labour? I think that's the decision they've got to make. And it'll be fascinating to see what the, the the caucus and cabinet decide on Sunday. I find it really hard to ga- to gauge what people are thinking uh, about who they who they want in government. You, you talk to a lot of look. I'm a, I'm a 50 year old white male, okay, and you can live in that you can live in that bubble. And, and a lot of my friends are going, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. And I'm and I'm saying to them, well, you got to be really careful because. You might be living in that bubble and might feel different on at other sides. What do you th- what do you think the mood of the nation wants? What do you what do you think we're going to see? 
I think people are tired is, is the, the, you know, vibes I'm getting from people. The, the pandemic's been very slog. long. It's been a slog, arduous. man. Absolutely. And, and so people, we've seen it in the local elections. People voted mainly for change. A lot of centre-right sort of candidates getting in. I get the sense that that's, you know, based on the polling and everything, that's where people are at at the moment as well uh, with the, the central elections. The question will be is, um, you know, if we've got inflation issues, uh, everything's becoming more expensive, people can't afford to pay the mortgages on their houses, that sort of thing happening. As things ease later this year, ahead of the election, things might be starting to improve. Does that improve people's mm. thinking of the Labour Party? That's the question. Um, at this point, I would say if the, if the election was held this weekend, I think the National Party would romp home with the ACT Party in support. Yeah, okay. Interesting times. That's been a crazy day for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, a bit wild. I'm, uh, I'm running Morning Report on Radio New Zealand at the moment. So when oh. I left this morning, it was, uh, it was, you know, we were, we were just scrambling for ideas for tomorrow and now we, uh, <laughs> we've got a whole show ready. So, and I see, you, um, I see, yeah, you, have a, I see you have a new anchor coming in, Ingrid Hipkiss, am I correct? <coughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, she'll be starting in April, I think, so. It's um it's good to have um have her confirmed as the new host and and everything we've heard she'll she'll do a really good job she's a good good former political journalist and a good interviewer so that'll be fantastic. And just briefly, what did you make of the Black Caps last night? If you had any time to watch any of it? Uh, yes, so I caught the very end. Um, that's uh that's what I'm most excited to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> uh, I I I think this is. The fact that India scored 350 and our bowling attack didn't look particularly flash uh, is is the concern, and that's the thing we've been talking about a lot through the SCNZ commentary and all that sort of stuff um, during the Pakistan tour is who are the next bowlers up without Tim Southey there, without Trent Bolt. Um, they scored 350 fairly comfortably, and Shubman Gill's innings was amazing. Uh, I think Michael Bracewell has absolutely cemented his place, if there was any doubt, as a as a Black Caps player, um, he's a spectacular closer. It seems now at a one day international cricket. But yeah, it's just the the bowling stocks which concern me heading into the World Cup later this year. Oh well, you you, you make a lot of sense, and I appreciate your time both on the sporting front and the political front, Ben. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, go get some sleep. Will do. Okay. Thanks, buddy. It's 5.52. This is the run home on SNZ. Thanks to McDelivery. Uh, if you want to have any, have you got any thoughts about Mike, what Michael said, you can get on the Makita New Zealand phone line, 0800 150811. Remember, Makita rule the outdoors with their power garden tools. And, of course, there is the Temper Bedpost text machine, 8833. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and your feet up in comfort. Never too much, never too much, never too much. 5.57, this is The Run Home on SNZ with Stephen McIver, Team Leader Jacob, and the boss, that's Mania, uh, just cruising on through. Well, he is the boss. You know he's the boss, Jacob. You know, just give in and just say you're the, team, the lead. team leader. Yeah. What's higher than team leader? Yeah. Team leader, boss. Yeah. 
Clearly. Highly. Boss is higher than team leader, Jack. Yeah, boss is higher than team leader, mate. Team leader likes you to look after the little team, but the boss is the guy that oh, looks I'm, after I'm the team I'm the little, little league team leader, yeah. is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. I'm the sub-team Oh, here we leader. go. No, don't, don't, don't break your confidence, mate. You know, we love you. Now uh, I'll get to deal with him in here and the producers both for the yeah, next Yeah, okay, so, sort of, mate. Jensen Brooksby is uh, <laughs> he is trying so hard to wrap this match up against Casper Rude, the second seed, uh, at Rod Laver Arena. It is now Advantage Rude. He's trailing 4-5 down two sets to try and take this one to a fourth or at least stay alive. He's serving uh, on the advantage. It is, it is an absolute cracker. Ugo Umber, the 2020 ASB Classic uh, champion, uh, took the first set pretty quickly against Kudler of America. 6-2, he leads 2-1 in the second. And I'm just checking other things that are around the place at the moment. Oh, the other one, Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz, the eighth seed. He is facing the young uh, Australian Alexia Popperin. This is an absolute cracker as well. And it's uh, 6-5 Fritz. Uh, he's 30-40 down and Popperin is serving to take it to a tiebreaker. How good is this? In fact, I can tell you right now, it's going to a tiebreaker and it's five all between uh, Brooksby and Casper Rude. So it's all happening on another cracking day at the US, uh, the Australian Open, of which you can have live commentary uh, from nine o'clock tonight again here on SENZ. So what are we doing uh, after six o'clock? We're going to talk to David Morales, a young Floridian racing car driver who won the feature race last weekend at Highlands Motorsport Park in the Castro Toyota Formula Regional Oceania Championships and Drive to Survive. And the boys now will have a little bit of a natter as well. You can have a natter as well on the Makita New Zealand phone line. That's 0800 150811. 0800 150811. Join us. Be part of the team on the run home. SNZ on a Thursday. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Life is good. Uh, team leader Jacob doing the numbers and the music today. It's a 604 with Stephen McIver on the SNZ run home with thanks to our good friends at McDelivery. Just checking out the Macca's menu. Coming shortly, we talk to David Morales, a 19-year-old uh, racing driver who is, uh, sits second in the uh, Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceania Championship uh, point standings after the opening weekend last weekend in Cromwell at Highlands Motorsport Park. We'll also bring you Drive to Survive. And we'll have a bit of a jam as well about what's going on. Just a little bit of an update. Brooksby has uh, finally got through at 6-5 in that third set. He is hanging in there, hanging in there. Rudd is serving to stay in it. He's a 15 laugh up, up on serve. Uh, Taylor Fritz is all over Alexi Popperin in the first set tiebreaker. He's leading 5-2. So he's leading 5-2. So it's all going on in some of the, the key areas. Just remember, uh, Rafa Nadal... Rafa Nadal is the top seed. Casper Ruiz, he's gone. Casper Ruiz is the second seed, and he could be on his way as well uh, the day after. Uh, the interesting thing to know about Casper Ruiz, he, he, he failed miserably, went out in the first round at the ASB Classic. So who knows what's going on, but this, this legion of young Americans are coming through at this particular point in the week of the Australian Open. But uh, that's the Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. So as I said, and I've said it a number of times, off to Invercargill tomorrow for 
round two of the Toyota 86s and the Castrol Toyota uh, Formula Regional Oceania Championships, which is an open-wheel class. Uh, the cars, by the way, were actually l- loaned to the W Series, which was the support series for Formula One in 2022. They all came back, uh, fixed them up, and, and away they go. And one young man has popped up and won the Dorothy Smith Memorial Trophy, which was the feature event last weekend in Highlands. Now, just to give you a quick update, Dorothy Smith was the mother of Kenny Smith, who's been racing for 60 years. He is a legend in his own right in the motorsporting world. And Dorothy would sit uh, and watch every race. She would go to every race, but wouldn't watch the race. She would sit in the tent and never watch the race. And sadly, she passed away at a racetrack many, many years ago. So uh, he donated the trophy in memory of his mother. And this young man uh, won it at the weekend. So, David Morales, thanks for joining us on The Run Home. Where did your journey of of becoming a motor racing driver start? Uh, It all started in the back of my dad's dealership. Um, he just set up some cones around, and he uh, always liked F1 when he was a kid, and he just bought a little go-kart that he saw, like outside of someone's house or something. I, I don't even remember how he got the go-kart. But he just set up some uh, cones around the back of this uh, warehouse, like towards the street end of it, and just I just that's how I started go-karting, and then just kind of skyrocketed from there. Was there and how old were you? I was four. Okay, so did you have any interest, or was it just that that standard young boy noise wheels steering wheel thing? It, it, I had, I had absolutely no idea what it was. Like my dad just said, "Here it is," and put cones around, and then I just went in between the cones, and then <laughs> going in between cones took me all the way to New Zealand. <laughs> did was, was dad <laughs> a, a motor racing driver apart from a, a car dealer? Uh, no, 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 no. He well, he did motor race illegally um, <laughs> around yeah. the streets of New York. So then he wanted the real thing, not to be illegal, which is me. When when do you think you thought actually I could, I could do this for a job? Um, definitely around the age of, of eighteen. For me, realistically, last year when I uh, um, ended up hearing how other drivers end up making money and uh, how many ruts there is to go. Um, so definitely last year. Because it is quite hard to make money in motorsport. Oh, oh, yeah. completely. I mean, you have to you have to hustle, hustle for for sponsorship and the like. I mean, you you've raced in Great Britain. What was that experience like? Racing in Great Britain was amazing, amazing. And <coughs> sorry, I really wouldn't trade it for the world. It was racing in Great Britain is honestly all of the tracks are very similar to Teratonga with how close they all are. Um, so that kind of gives a point of reference to just how tight everything is in England. Um, and racing in England is also just so, so, so competitive. Like the first 15 people will all be in the same, um, five, 10, it's always, 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 and always very, very spot on everywhere. So, yeah, it's a rather, it's a rather lonely sport when you think about it, right? Because you're an individual, even though you work for a team. And if you don't succeed, then there's not a hell of a lot to look back on. What, what happens if this doesn't work out for you? Um, gonna go back to Florida and work in a dealership. <laughs> and work in a dealership. <laughs> so just work under my dad. Uh, I mean, you're only nine. You're only nineteen, and that win last week at Harness Motorsport Park was your your first ever single seater win. And we asked you after that, did you did you find out about Dorothy Smith? Yeah, it's a pretty cool story, right? It is in. Amazing, amazing story. Um, sorry, one second. 
<laughs> are you getting? Are you doing the nineteen-year-old thing and messaging, getting messages while you're talking to me? Are you? No, 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 no. I'm not getting any messages while I'm talking. <laughs> the, 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 but, inter- uh, the, the interesting thing, David, will, will be the fact that if you get to actually meet Kenny Smith, uh, and you probably will get to meet Kenny Smith at Hampton Downs and and meet uh, one of the legends of the sport. Oh my gosh, that's that's something I'm looking forward to. If he's going to get in a car at 80 years old, I'm going to be absolutely. I'm going to be his biggest fan out there. I'm going to be doing circles in pit lane, waiting for him to come in act like a mechanic. I'm just going to be his biggest fan. Oh, you will be his biggest fan. Look, coming out here and racing for M2 competition, what are you enjoying at this particular point in time? You've only been here a short time. I think, what am I enjoying Enjoying racing TRS or, or M2, no, sorry? No, the whole thing, the whole thing. Okay. The, the whole thing, I think this is honestly what, you know, uh, Toyota, uh, what TRS has done, or CT Frog, it's just so, so, so good. The way how, uh, you know, the media stuff is going, how they had that big room with, you know, just the drivers and their cars and how everything was set up and that experience in the um, uh, in media and these professional photos that are taken. I think I've, I've literally, in my entire racing career, I've only had a couple professional photos taken uh, and some interviews here and there. But CT Frog, it puts you in the situation where you have to do some, you have to do these things. You have to learn how to um how to speak, how to present yourself. Um, and it's just like the entire thing is just so, so, so much further ahead than, you know, any other championship I've been in. Um, especially, you know, Asian FBA did that last year. And it was on, it was nowhere near as professional as this is, especially on the media side. Um, and then on the driving side, I think all the drivers are so, so, so nice. And M2 really builds like a family. Um, and everybody kind of feels like, like it's it's like a family, you know. If, if one person loses, then everybody loses. One person wins, then everybody wins. So, how did this yeah. how did this opportunity come around? Um, my manager, basically, he kind of just put it there and put it in front of me, and I'm like, because I was going to go and do Asian F3 again, but TRS just seemed like a better option, um, and and better driving too. So, just honestly, my manager. I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I don't want to sound patronising, but did you even know where New Zealand was? Uh, yeah, I knew it was close to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do. So, so what have you learned about the country in your short time, first and foremost? That like everybody's nice, which is something I haven't really experienced before, especially in Florida or where I live right now is, is um, in London. Everybody's nice here. There's really, like, there's no wrong answer. I mean, there's no bad question. I think 90% of the time. I have met some people that aren't the best, but when we, the, everybody's super nice. Yeah, when we tried to talk to you earlier in the week, you were hiking and, and getting a chance to experience the, the beautiful South Island, of which you will again uh, this weekend. Uh, pretty impressive, huh? Oh, my God. No, no, the beauty of New Zealand is ridiculous. I mean, we did this 2,000-foot hike. It's my first time hiking. I got no clue what's going on other than I've got scabs on my feet and I've got another 1,000 feet to go until we make it to the top of this peak uh, of the mountain. But when we made it up there, I was just gasping for air and then just looking around and New Zealand is just like, there's mountains on mountains on mountains and it is just so ridiculously beautiful out here. There's there's really nothing else to compare it to that I've ever seen. Um, And it's just like, the lakes too are so grand and just huge, 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 huge. 
Um, I've just, I've never seen anything like it. So it's just uh, now, every day is like a different day. Now, now you're in Vicargo. Hopefully you get the chance to take a look at uh, the motorcycle mecca and the Richardson's Transport Museum. I think you might actually because they're pretty cool. I mean, yeah, let's let's be honest. Not everybody's a petrol head, even though you're a racing car driver. Are you a petrol head? Um, I'm in the middle of being a, a, a petrol head. We, I, we are going to Richardson's today, but I, I am quite kind of in the middle there. Even though my family sells exotic cars for a living, I've kind of always just, yeah, I've, um, I'm in the middle with that. Oh, okay. So, so does it affect the way you, you look at your racing? Like, is this where you really want to be? Oh, I definitely want to be racing. 100, 100, 100%. I wouldn't do anything else in the world. Um, I've just never been able to, like there's certain cars that I'm absolutely obsessed with, for instance, like Porsche. Um, but Porsche is kind of where all of it went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, so, no, that's important. Um, you should try and get the chance of someone to take you to the bottom of the South Island because you're pretty close to it. It's not too far away. You just go to the bottom of the South Island and then you can look out and then you're at the end of the country. That would be a bit of fun. might take you an hour or so, but that's not that, that's something you should try and do yeah, if you've got time. How does, how does the weekend un, unfold for you this, this weekend? Um, same as last weekend. Uh, what I mean by that is just don't, you know, go into it with open expectations, be optimistic, um, and just keep my head down from session one and onwards, you know, and see how I place in quality because quality is all that matters. So just the whole goal is just to keep my head down, um, learn the track, learn what it needs for me, um, and learn what I need to do to succeed. And that's it. It's a, it's an old it's an old it's an old school track too, David. So it's going to be really really tight for you. you sit second in the championship. Uh, you said to us earlier last weekend that you you felt there was more speed in your car. You found more speed in the car. But I suppose whenever you go to different tracks, the setup's completely different. So you have to start again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know where the team is going to be on that and, and where we're going to start from. But I think you know, and this is true for I think any driver. A lot of the time, what you think is in setup is actually just in you and that you have to find it. Uh, in some series, yes, a lot of it is, is setup. But in TRS, or CT Proc, sorry, there's not a crazy amount that you can change. And a lot of it is just, that's why exactly why my manager you know, chose this, chose this is because it kind of lets the driver outshine uh, the car. Um, and that's you know, what I'm going to do, you know, just try and surpass. Uh, what I you know did the day before and just be better. Okay, well, uh, just to, we, I asked you that terrible question uh, at the press conference about Miami. So Miami uh, aren't there, and now the Tampa Bay Bucks are Bucks are out as well. So I'm not going to ask you any questions this weekend when you podium about NFL anymore. What 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 other sports do you love? Um. Uh, oh, wakeboarding. Sorry, I'm really really good at wakeboarding. Wow, tableboarding. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, so I've never. So okay. Well, that, that's all right then, man. It's always good to talk to you. I will uh, see you in Teratonga this weekend, buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Six twenty-three. This is the SNZ Run Home with Stephen McIver, Team Leader Jacob and Manaya. Brought to you by Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. Update from the Australian Open. Brooksby did lose the third set, so uh, which means Christian Rude won it. So six-three, seven-five. Brooksby seven-six. Rude. They're going to a fourth, which means. If Rude, the second seed, gets his finger out of it into gear, uh, 
he uh, will take this to a five-setter. Tate uh, Fritz against Alexi Popram, the one of the remaining Australian hopes. Uh, Fritz took the tiebreaker 7-4. It's 2-1 Popram in the second. And Michael Venus is playing also with his new partner, uh, Jamie Murray, Sir Andy Murray's brother. And currently, I will just quickly bring it up for you. The score is... I've whizzed past it again. Oh, it's they were two three down in the first anyway. I've, I've missed it completely. Anyway, that's what's that's what's going on, whizzing about the place on the old uh, computer. Just a little bit of uh, news update of things that have been happening in the last twenty four hours. The the New Zealand Open is coming your way at the beginning of March. Uh, they've increased the prize purse for this to uh, by seventeen percent. So uh, the increase now the total prize pool is one point seven million dollars. Not bad. The war, the winner on March five at Millbrook will walk away with $297,000. The good thing about that is uh, Stephen Alka, who you would have heard Johnny talk about the news, who picked up all sorts of awards for being a rock star on the seniors tour, is going to play in that as well. We do also have that the Blackfern Sevens and All Black Sevens teams have been named. The All Black Sevens, Brady Rush, Akila Rokolisoa, Dylan Collier, Ngarohi Magavi Black, Sam Dixon's the captain, Amanaki Nickel, uh, Joe Weber, Leroy Carter, Moses Leo, Shay Clark, Sioni Molia, Roderick Solo, and Regan Oware. Uh, the unavailable were Newstub, uh, Vi Curry Mickelson, uh, Nshiu, uh, and Tapa Cook Savage. The Blackfern Sevens team, uh, Niall Guthrie, Stacey Flula, Michaela Bly, Tyler Nathan Wong, Teresa Fitzpatrick, Portia Woodman Wycliffe, uh, Lini Saili, uh, Jasmine Felix Hotham, uh, Shira Kaka, Sarah Hirani is the skipper, Rissi Puri Lanes there, Georgia Miller, and Tanika Wilson. Unavailable was Kelly Brazer and Mahina Paul through injury. So those are your Blackfern Sevens and Sevens teams. Now I'm assuming that uh, Jacob is for Hamilton coming up, right? Is that first? Is that right? Yep, Hamilton. Yeah, the last. The last. The la- yeah, oh, the last one. And just uh, in. Uh, Ross Filippo and Paul Feeney, that's Ross Filippo and Paul Feeney, have joined the Gallag, uh, they've been named assistant coaches of the Chiefs. Okay, 626, uh, not too far away. We'll get the cue to call out shortly for uh, Drive to Survive, but stats guru Manaya mm-hmm. is a little bit excited. Look, when I'm not uh, SENZ's, if not the country's foremost political journalist, breaking all of the news that Jacinda's stepping down. Um, yeah, we knew about that, mate. I am our, well, because I told you, uh, I am our foremost statistical analyst. Uh, analyst. analyst, yes, good boy. Um, and I have done a bit of research and by... Oh my gosh, what happened? By me, I mean I've found someone else who's done some research and I shall regurgitate it for you now. Uh, James Harden's my favourite player in the NBA. I identify as a fat man with a beard, so when St- I see Still one, at the Rockets? Is he at the Rockets? He is no longer no. at the Rockets, Sorry, no. Sorry, no. Had two he stops. went to the Sixers. He's at the Sixers, right? He's at the Sixers right now, him and Joel Embiid. Thank you. He is famed for being one of the greatest statistical players uh, since... A lot of the stats lists that he's on uh, include him and guys like Michael Jordan, uh, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, <laughs> these kind of guys. I was just trying to think of someone you might know. Um, oh, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. But he's famous for going missing in games. So Can't find the court? Some, well, maybe. Somebody has done a uh, statistical analysis of the games that he has played mm-hmm. in cities – where the strip clubs have the highest ratings. 
Now, I don't know if you've heard the story, are, but there was you one... Are, you are kidding me, right? There is one night uh, where he spent uh, <coughs> over $1 million in one establishment, and that establishment hung his jersey in the rafters. So this person has graphed out the, the strip clubs with the highest ratings. Uh, you'll be surprised to find that they are Miami, Chicago. The third one, Salt Lake City. That one blew my mind. Salt Lake? Yeah, I know. That's Mormon Central. I know, right above Los Angeles. Uh, New Orleans, New York, uh, those are the top ones. They've then graphed against those places the number of subpar performances that he has had in those uh, in those and cities, those, in those uh, cities and their dens of iniquity. And he's and 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 it works, right? It makes sense. He his box scores. <laughs> Uh, now, that's a, a statistical tool that we use to measure how well a player has played. Uh, are 20% lower in cities with better rated strip clubs than uh, in other cities. His best performance comes in the city with, uh, with the worst strip clubs. That's Toronto. His worst performance comes in the city with the best ones. Uh, that is in Miami. Um, and then, yeah, as you mentioned, interesting that Salt Lake City has the third-ranked strip clubs of all NBA cities. So despite the fact that we wandered away from sports for a little bit and talked a little bit of politics, we're back on the sports now, and aren't we all better off for it, McIver? I don't know. I just maybe you've given anyone that wants to go to a strip club in America the places to go because they know they won't be performing after that one. Well, uh, I think one of the more interesting parts is that he's been traded away from Houston, which was uh, that's very. A long, that's a long time ago, right? Yeah. That was a long time ago. Uh, See, I know. Very high, very high on the index, uh, down to Philadelphia, which I can't even see in the top two. Oh, it's actually, yeah, bottom third. And how's he performing at, at Philly? I. Turned it around. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Just one line. Turned it around. Uh, Murray and Venus in their first round doubles match against Rodriguez and Reese. Uh, they're serving a 30 love up 4 3. Up 4 3 in that one. So uh, it'll be a nice start to see Michael Venus because him and Jamie Murray uh, basically bombed out at the, the uh, ASB Classic. So what's going on? Taylor Fritz, Alexi Problem, two all in the second at 7 6. Uh, Fritz got the first set. Uh, we're just starting the fourth set between Jensen Brooksby and Christian Rude. Casper Rude, excuse me. Casper Rude. Stephen, uh, the second seed, knowing, of course, what happened. Uh, guess who plays tonight? Djokovic plays tonight. That's a little bit exciting that Djokovic is playing. Uh, and, of course, the other big match to look out for is Andy Murray, Sir Andy Baron Murray, against Kokonakis. Kokon- I love saying that. You could... You could- this, this is, is Drive, Drive to Survive. To survive. Yes, this is SNZ's Run Home with Stephen McIver. Thanks to McDelivery. If you want to play the game, uh, it's quite easy. Get on the McKee to New Zealand phone line, 0800 150811, and you can be in the draw to win that within the game, to win that $50 bonus bet. So uh, it is another interesting group of questions. I will not try and ruin it by giving the answer of the last one if we get that far, which I've done before. So, Jacob, uh, where do we go first? Who am I going to talk to first today? Let's go to Brett from Huntley. Hello, Brett from Huntley. How are you, buddy? Stephen from Putaru. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, there. See, I love it when someone says you're from Putaru and says it properly the as well. Home of the, the owl. Gateway to Tito. Yeah, just the gateway, the gateway to Tiro. Thanks very much. Just remember, put, <laughs> just remember, Putaru means home of the owl. Okay, Ooh. home Ooh. of the owl, Ruru, owl, home of. It could be bullshit. I don't know. It just it, it is what it is. Anyway, you ready to play Drive to Survive? As I'll ever be, mate. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, lap one, question one. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has stepped down. What will be her last official day in the office? Uh, the 7th of February. Who top scored for the Black Caps last night? Oh, Faithful. Hey, what do you, just quickly, what do you think of the Prime Minister stepping down? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that one there. How many goals did the US women's team score against the football ferns last night? Oh, four. Pardon, couldn't hear that one. Four. <laughs> None in the first half. <laughs> That's true. When is the Black Caps next ODI against India? Is that Okay, whoever said these questions needs a rocket. Uh, oh, that's right, it was Manaya. Uh, who is Joseph Parker's next opponent? Oh, one smack. Uh, Messi. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was going to. I was going to revert that and say no dice until you gave me at least the name, Jack Massey. That's right. Jack. Who did Coco... Yeah, no, you're doing okay. Lap two, and we're up to question number two. You're just firing through there. You must have had a good day today. Uh, oh, I made the lawns. Oh, you know, I love... <laughs> I love... You know what the best smell in the world is? Freshly cut lawns. Uh, uh, Do you agree with me or not? Oh, uh, it's up there with uh, onions getting fried. Oh, onions getting fried. What about Manai? What's your favourite smell? Getting ready uh, to put on the thing. When you open a new canister of tennis balls. Oh, what about you, Jacob? Ah. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Smell of a new cricket ball. I'd, I'd oh, say, oh okay. The tennis balls, cricket. Okay, so you're onions and I'm, and I'm grass. The one you mow. Uh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Who did Coco... Hey, what are you doing? Potato is your business, bro. Oh, bro, I haven't been to potato for a long time, so settle, settle down. Who did Coco Goff defeat in round two of the Australian Open? Emma Raducanu. Emma Righty-ho. Michael Bracewell now has the highest ODI score by a black cap in India. Who did he take the record off? Uh, Chris Harris. Well, this is hard, isn't it? I think we've got one more question to go. Chris Harris's middle name is also the first... Pardon? Vinny. He's in Harris, though. You know how to ruin a guy's day, don't you, just by blasting through all the questions. Man, what have you been doing all day? Mowing the lawn, listening to the radio, watching the telly. Oh, my goodness. I helped out at the old man's, cut some stuff off. Growing that was growing on his roof. And oh, so you've had a good old day. Headphones on. Oh, man. I... to the app. Oh, look at, look at you. You're all over it like a wet rag, my friend. Well, $50 bonus bets are coming your way. You know what the, the drill is. Stay on the line. Uh, what are you going to do with it, do you think? Uh, do what every good SENZ listener should do and listen to Louis Herman Watt. Really? See what uh, gravy's got for... Yeah, well, I, well, can I just say his gravy's pretty average at the moment uh, when it comes to the whole harness race thing and for charity. Oh, yeah. So, so just... I don't go near him on that, to be fair. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. So, you know, just... Sorry, Louis. Just don't put all your all your uh, eggs in one basket when it comes to Louis on those, on those horses and the numbers, right? All right, mate, congratulations. You're a winner, winner, chicken dinner. I appreciate that. 
Hopefully it travels down to Inversbury. Yeah, oh, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Will do. Thanks. There you go. Brett from Huntley Wins. Drive to Survive. Um, Manaya. Hi. That, that was very. That was pretty straightforward for Brett, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it probably surprised? says more oh, about Brett than it does about the questions, but I agree. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a stunning display from Brett. It was, it was, it was like you couldn't really do uh, mastermind on that one. He just went bang, bang. I didn't even get the question. That, that last answer. Mm, Zinzan. Zinzan. I know. I was tempted to say something else just to put him off. I uh, just, yeah. What was his last name? Yeah. Zinzan. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, he's absolutely uh, done us there. I think he did. He run the whole board as well. Uh, he ran. I mean, did he win them all? Did he ask them all? Yes, we didn't have anyone else uh, answer any of those questions. So you've not been listening for like the three minutes of talk. You haven't oh, God, listened. No. That we've only had one caller, and you said, "Oh, did he do it all himself?" Yeah. Is that what this means? You haven't actually been listening to your no, own show. Well, look, I wrote it. I wrote all the questions. Yes, what do you, what do you, what do you expect me to? Do you want me to answer them too? No, I just wanted you to listen and say, oh, "Okay, let's move on." I'll Six, listen to it on the on the app. Okay, six thirty nine. Here it is. Since his run home.